lazy, soupy mac and cheese. Welcome, everyone, and pull up a seat at the table. It is lunchtime in Rome. Tonight is episode 152, entitled Ashley Cesarato. Ashley is a proud Penn Hills alum, amazing musician, appreciated teacher, creator of the giant Pittsburgh Foodies Facebook page, and regular at the table with us. We look forward to hearing her story and your opportunity to get to know her. So, pull up a chair at the table and join us. First-time listeners, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app, or listen directly on lunchtimeinrome.com. While there, please do take our relational needs questionnaire. Make sure to follow us on all social media, and it would be great if you gave us a five-star review. Jay, what specifically is this podcast about? Being alone is the worst. Good times aren't as good, and bad times are worse when you are all alone. Romans 12.15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That is how you keep people from being alone in what this podcast is all about. We demonstrate that in the first 15 minutes or so of the podcast and talk about it for the rest. So while it may not be 12.15 in Rome, we're treating it like it is. Lunchtime in Rome. Rome. Uh, <laughs> it's been a good week. Does an ah uh, uh, count as an um? They're in the same family, I would right, say. Right, right, right off the bat. Married. Right off the bat. And Ashley's with us. <laughs> took everything I've to say. <laughs> Amy and I took, and we didn't tell anybody, but we took yesterday off. Um, Thanks for sharing, jerk. Well, we had a day and we went to go see uh, people that have been on this podcast, Kate and Luke. Hmm. And I, thought new... like, I thought you meant like all of them. <laughs> like we took the day off. We were just doing rounds. We this is to... like a week from now, Ashley. He'd showed up at your house. <laughs> North Carolina <laughs> to see the Boothbees. Yeah, right. Um, we, uh, we went and saw Kate and Luke and their new baby, Ava, who is adorable. And How old now? Four months? No, two. She just actually two months yesterday. Ah, mm. that's what I mean. It has seemed longer than that, though. I do feel like it's, I had no frame of reference. Right, but less than a year. It did feel long. I thought she was coming back to work a lot sooner, but she still has another month. Huh. She doesn't feel like it's soon or well, sure, long enough. But and that was great. And then today uh, we dyed Easter eggs with Mags, Aww. which was super fun. And she's just now old enough. Like she was like pulling them out of the the vinegar water how much got on her fingers not a lot man like i was like dumbfounded you had it on your head (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was that was not the case i thought it was going to be a lot a lot messier no i meant from you not from her oh right 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 (laughs) she's like daddy's messy (laughs) she did touch a little bit and then she was like i'm gonna change colors and i was like well yeah if you keep touching it let's not keep touching it um but yeah just it's been a good week um weather's warming up yeah which i'm excited about i'm so ready for the weather to to warm back up it, it has been a depressing kind of april it has been dreary and rainy and cool and yeah today like i'm not one to talk about the weather but today was the day to talk about it because it was just felt so good where are you with weather ashley are you you get affected by it or is it just um i think i do get affected by it to a point like more wintry yeah, I don't love a very long winter. Mm. I wish it would snow from the middle of December to the beginning of January and then kind of be 
above 60 mm-hmm. again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. Yep. So you should move to Denver, is right. what you're saying. Like <laughs> a foot of snow one day, beautiful. Next day, 70, mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. And then between 60 and 80 degrees for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I think April this year was what March normally is. Yeah, I agree. You Absolutely. know, like Mar- March, you're like, oh, it's spring. And you're like, no, it's really right. still winter. Right. And this has just been, yeah, well, it's March, been the rain more right. than anything else. Like it mm-hmm. just, it's, ugh, it's been rough. It has. But I have turned my thoughts to the pool. Um, oh, well, I'll tell you later. Um, I do have one more, th- one more. Oh, thing. I'm sorry. Go for it. Uh, and I took this at work. We're do- I'm going to butcher the name of it, but we're going to talk about it again because I'm going to bring it up to you guys um, as a subject of conversation. But it's something. It's something like the EQ intelligence, like emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. specifically at work. Mm-hmm. But they they had this test at work that we could take, and then. We have a score. It's very in depth. It's like 133 questions, um, but we get a score on. How different... long did it take you to take the test? Not long. I mean, the questions are like super, like like one liners and boom. Okay. Like one before boom, Rachel one and I boom. went down to Texas, we took a different test than yeah. the rel- relational needs questionnaire. Yeah. And they said it'll take you like an hour and a half to do, and I was like, no way, it's not going to take me an hour and a half. And it was like an hour and twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was probably like ten to fifteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, so not, not, the, not the one I took. Very though. simple. Like bing bang boom, yeah, and it was zero, like one to five scale. Anyway, mm-hmm. but it kind of confirmed of like where I am on uh, imposter syndrome. Oh, really? You know, I definitely have imposter syndrome, and after reviewing it, it was clear, and they had like definitions why, and it was that was pretty amazing. And a lot of uh, like sometimes that can go to a place of you're not driven, and like we we've talked about that with me in the past couple couple weeks month you know being right, you don't not, feel challenged i don't feel and, well i just don't feel driven like you know me like i'm a go-getter like you want to start a project let's start a project you want a website let's do it let's, you know go go right. go but i just haven't had that drive that that i used to have specifically and, at work or in general um uh, probably more at work mm-hmm. um not something that's gonna like hurt my performance because right now like i'm doing all the things i need to do but i'm not going above and beyond or like going to try to do better to get that promotion you know next time or whatever you know what i mean and brian you've talked about zero imposter syndrome mm-hmm. i can identify with it a little bit historically but not present uh actually how familiar are you with that theory pretty familiar and uh <laughs> when um when eric started to say that my eyes kind of got big because sometimes i think that nobody that I know has it, even though it's a very common thing. Mm. So I, I think I definitely have imposter syndrome, and I think a lot of it too has to do with um, self confidence mm-hmm. and mainly in my musical abilities. Mm. So I'm actually. I apologize for that. Then let's scratch that from the beginning. She's not an amazing <laughs> musician. Yeah, we'll scratch that off and say she's a competent musician. How's that? <laughs> yes, that much that much better suits me. I want to give you more peace. Like, do you do you live with it constantly, or is it it, it it'll happen in certain settings or challenges or? Um, I think it just happens occasionally. Um, most of the time, well, I sing with a choir, so mm. a lot of times I kind of feel like which choir is that's, that? It's the Mendelssohn Choir of Pittsburgh. Ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> kind of a big deal. It is a yeah. big deal. It is I a mean, big we deal. were Grammy nominated, right? Wow. Yeah, they that let, shows they that let you know anybody <laughs> into that choir. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I'm sure you had the audition to get in it. Yeah, and it's funny. I could tell you a story we could talk about after the show, but I could tell you a story how I'm validated in what I do and. It's ridiculous how I feel I have imposter syndrome, but I have it. 
Mm-hmm. And I still have it, even though I know. Right. Uh, yeah. It's imposter syndrome, but, it, you know, I guess maybe to some degree, like, are you a good singer? I can't just come out and say yes. I know. You know, weird. like, you it's saw weird. how it's hard crazy that was because for me. do they let bad singers into the Mendelssohn Choir? No. <laughs> See? Logically. Right. And does yeah. it, but does that conflict cause you stress? Like, okay, I must be a good singer, but I don't feel like a good singer. Yes. Right. That's what that's where mm-hmm. it gets maddening because then people say to you, "No, Eric, you're great at what you do." You're like, "I know I'm great at what I do, but I don't, I don't feel, feel like mm-hmm. it." Right? Exactly. I compare myself to others. Ugh. Projects I work on aren't aren't. I know, dude. I know. I like no, projects. I, it's not perfect the first no, but, time, but, but, so like, oh, I'm more, I'm awful. Like somebody made this comment. Like, didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brian's just like, "Gosh, it's gonna be a terrible way to live." Oh, it's <laughs> it's awful. Well. I mean, there was, there was, I went through a season where that was just taken out of me. I mean, cause I like the comparison, you know, uh, yeah. comparisons yeah, yeah. are killers. And there, I, I went through a season in my life where I, I can't remember exactly what was going on, but it was a lesson that I had to learn. And I'm glad I learned it, you know, because now it's just, it's a, it's a zero factor for me. And when it is, when it does start to creep up, I'm like, I recognize it and, you know, cut it off as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I interrupted you, Eric. Yeah. No, that was it. Yeah. So we have confirmed your imposter syndrome. Yeah. Again. <laughs> well, <laughs> in some level, it's got to give you peace. Like, all right, it's who I am. Well, and they're 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 giving us tools to like help us get through and, and get by. <laughs> Brian just finished all the water that's ever been drank <laughs> so before. Delicious. Off mic, no <laughs> yeah, less. That was off mic. But yeah, that's it. I want to hear about you guys. I don't know if it was entirely off mic. Is the whole <laughs> I tried point. to make it as far off mic as I could. Oh, um, Inside Out. You oh, were talking. Yeah. About, we were talking a little bit about that last night, and it might be a subject for a podcast, but... Yeah. Have you seen it? I... Disney movie? Yes. Pixar. Yeah. Yes, yeah. With all the different it. emotions as characters. Yes. Well, and like, it's amazing. I, I encourage you to watch it. I would love to talk about it in depth more, but at the end, Riley, who's the main character, the main girl in the in the movie her parents comfort her and like the the sadness the sadness Don't of like spoil it. Emotional, you know, people yeah. are like oh never mind right but <laughs> he was dead we'll the talk, whole time yeah, we'll talk about it but yeah we'll but, they, but it literally is like a visual of what we talk about i remember watching that being like i hope they do it right i hope they do it right yeah I hope they're not like you know yeah look on the bright side mm-hmm. yeah but they don't. But they cry. don't. And like, and they really because it's sadness. Like I, I, like I was getting so angry at sadness at the beginning of the movie because <laughs> we're just screwing everything up. But then at the end of the movie, it's like, wow, this got real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I go? I wish you would. I will go. Uh, it was Lex's birthday this weekend, and so we celebrated yeah. her 29th birthday, and uh, 29 again, and 10th we... anniversary of her 29th birthday. Mm, yeah well anyways uh so we went down to condado tacos again down in lawrenceville and it it was amazing again it's just such a good place have you been there anybody else i I know you've been there i've heard so much about it i've heard it's a cute taco (laughs) i've heard it's great if you like mid-level chain taco places yeah it's fine i like going in there eduardo's good but you know ever since (laughs) well there's there's also taco right across right down near heinz hall that it's taco with a k Mm -hmm. means octopus it does. Uh, yeah, I know. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Um, it's a bougie taco. But I do like going into Condado Tacos, tripping on acid because like all the walls are just amazing. And you don't you, do that anymore. I don't Brian. do that anymore. Um, so we did Condado Tacos. We went to Natural Ice Cream. I think it is. It's like a cold, like a. It's this round plate where they pour the ice cream onto in liquid, and it's I think twenty five below zero, and so the ice cream freezes real quickly, and. You, you basically make whatever kind of ice cream you want. Ethan got Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Lex got um, Strawberry Pretzel Salad. But they roll it. Have I, you been? I have been. Oh. I, I didn't love it. Yeah, I didn't have any of it. <laughs> I was so full from the tacos that oh, I was Oh, they like, roll I, it like they scrape it and they roll yeah, it. Like, they, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I had a bite of Ethan Cinnamon Toast Crunch and it was pretty good. Yeah. But, but you, it's, want, it, you wonder if it's show as much as it is. Quality. Oh, it very much is. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's ice cream. Um, but the way that they present it to you, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So we did that. It was, it was a nice weekend. Um, and, but I'm thinking about the pool, about the work I have to do, trying to line everything up. I have a car that's in the shop. Still. 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 And I heard, heard today that like, it's not. The, the transmission's in, but they can't get it to... It won't accelerate. Like, And that's kind of... An, <laughs> I mean, I'm no problem. mechanic. <laughs> it, it will, but it, it, it... So we're trying to figure out what it is at this point without pouring like money down a black hole because right. it's, it's, it's a 2007 car. So um, we'll get to the bottom of it. Hopefully I get the car back. I know my pool's going to be up and running, so that's where I'm at. Man. Yeah. I'm ready for the pool. Me too. We need to paint it. I'm, I'm there, man. It. Just let me know. Yeah. What happened to the paint last year? It just kind of faded. Uh. I bought what I thought was way too much, like double. And you spread it too thin? I don't think so. Like, we applied it the way that, like, I I, I prepared the pool and, and the undercoating because I redid mm-hmm. um, basically, like, the liquid liner. The, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a liquid liner where you, you, you paint it on and it seals the pool up. And we did it right. We prepared it to be painted and then we painted it the way that they told us to. Uh, so I don't know. It just we're, I'm going to repaint it again and we'll see what happens. And I got a new ladder and we're getting You did out. an acid wash last year, right? Yeah. Could that maybe have like maybe not been rinsed off all the way and then it ate away at the paint or something? I don't know. And maybe this I won't, year. I won't do it like that this year. I'm just going to paint it. Yeah, you don't need to ash wash it. I don't think so. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm just going to paint it and got a new ladder so Eric doesn't fillet his skin again yeah. like he did that's, one year. That's good. Yeah. Um, we're getting a heater. I, oh, the heater. I'm excited. Yeah, about. we're getting a heater. Um, our neighbor's Keystone Keith is Stone? very generous. Uh, so That's the best kind of heater, the one you don't pay for. Mm-hmm. Right. I have to pay for the line and everything, but mm. um, yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, what were you saying? Oh, the the, the ladder. Uh, a couple of years ago, yeah. we had this the rickety ladder. It wasn't like I didn't do a really good job of um, reinforcing it when I when we opened the pool, and so it. Eric was walking up it, and my leg slipped between the ladder and the wall. Oh, oh is that what happened? Yeah. I, th- I thought the thing just fell off, and like you, no, it just like shredded it, your skin. It like came away from the wall, but then it went down, and then I was just yeah. Ah, stuck there. So I don't I don't yes. feel bad about that. It was not. It was I mean, not, I do. But. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wasn't really my fault. <laughs> so, uh, those are those are my thoughts for this week. Wow, I'm glad things were good, and you celebrated Lex, and you had uh, apparently showy, if not adequate, ice cream. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, it's just been crazy busy. The we had a text for a group project we're working on Sunday. They're like, "Hey, can you beat Monday or Wednesday?" And I looked, and I was like, "I'm booked through next Monday." Like. And it's so funny, my days, because, you know, I, I even preached on it in church. My, uh, I don't say 
habit or concept or the reality of, you know, I go to bed about two, three in the morning. I mean, I turn the light off by three, the phone, never really three, two forty five. And I get up and drive Bella to school at six thirty. Well, then, I mean, I've only been asleep for three or four hours. So then I get what I like to call second sleep. And so I get up at like 10 o'clock or whatever. And it's so funny. People will be like, are you still in bed? And I want to call them at two in the morning and be like, are you in bed already? Oh, that's weird. <laughs> you know, but so my days start out like each day. I'm like kind of free till noon unless I have a lunch meeting. But then like today, I mean, it's racing through the evening. And so it's been a very busy time period, but that's a challenge for me because I've always strived to not live the life of next big thing productions. Mm. Oh, as long as I get through this and as soon as I get through that, but mm. not, but to enjoy and embrace each individual thing, given the nature of my life, some of them are very heavy and very focused things. Like whether it be an individual that I'm dealing, that I'm working with on how to get rid of guilt or a couple that's doing okay, but could do better or somebody who just lost a loved one or coaching, you know? And so it, it, it's mentally challenging, but for someone like myself, it's very gratifying. And so I've been able so far, we're, you know, we're hitting here Wednesday night that I've been present in each of those things. And I mm -hmm. think I'm successfully accomplishing those things. So it's been a good period for me. Yeah. And I even called my mom that I'm like, Hey mom, just calling you to say there's no chance of me seeing you. Uh, but I'd like credit for the phone call. <laughs> and she's like, Oh honey, you get all the points in the world, yeah. you know, and she knows that I don't like the points thing, but, mm. uh, but I offered to take her to Easter on Sunday. So she said, how are you getting to Easter? She goes, well, I mean, it's a long walk to Marcy's, <laughs> but I think I could probably start now and get there. But so I'm going to take her. That's and then nice in regards to coaching, you know, we are a very inexperienced team in a section with very experienced players mm -hmm. and teams. And it was such a great illustration last night. Uh, Ashley, you are not, correct me if I'm wrong, a big video game person. I'm not. Right. You are and you have been in the past. Coaching is, sometimes is like playing a video game and battery is dying in the remote control. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're just hitting the right button over yeah. and over again. And it's like, why isn't it working? Like we spent a half hour putting in a very intricate blocking scheme on Monday. Something we've really never done before that I even told them, I don't think you're capable of this, <laughs> but it's my job to at least show it to you. And the very first play, they did exactly what I said. And the superstar player from Latrobe who is six foot three, jumps out of the gym, goes right into our double block. And I was like, yes. Well, we screwed up the block. <laughs> it ended up on our side of the net. And I was like, well, I've done what I can. <laughs> but I even told the guys about it today. And I said, but see, I'm still liable because why didn't I teach you to block better? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I saved my own skin. And I said, well, because you haven't had enough experience to learn how to do it correctly. But it's still fun. To at least have them listen, do what I said. Yeah, that's encouraging. And whether or not it works or not, who is to say? You mm -hmm. know, so mm -hmm. it was all right. And, you know, the cool thing about coaching is you get to organize people. You get to push them towards a common goal. And you get to watch them get better. And that is one of the aspects of Ashley's life. Because you've put together performances, musicals, choirs, correct? Right. And that's sort of this end of your story. Um let people know using sort of the, are you an organized person? Do you like to keep things organized? For the most part. So if we were going to do a, an outline of your life, why don't you give us sort of the Roman numerals, maybe capital letters from here is little baby Ashley 
to the woman that sits here today. Like, so what was it like growing up on good old Universal Road? Yep. Is that where you grew up? I, I know did. Your house. The Main Street section. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So da- our- down there, the joint. Yes. The Universal down joint. The joint. Wow. Yep. Yeah. More up the other end, right? You're more of yes. a shop and save bougie kind of exactly. universal person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, past Indeed. universal. She's pizza. sort of like Mohan's yeah. backyard. Uh, oh, exactly. Oh, you probably nice. smell yeah. Mohan's from your house. All the oh, time. Boy. There you go. Yeah. So what was it like? Um, so I'm the oldest of three. So, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like my teacher uh, inclinations kind of started <laughs> back then. Um, I had a great childhood. We had lots of fun. We had a pool mm. as well. But then my dad took it down when we were, I was probably 16. He said that nobody used it anymore. Mm. Um, was that like, true? I don't know. I mean, I think we still would have used it. <laughs> he just didn't want to put the work into yeah. it. Right. Right. But we did help him. I don't know. I remember walking around the edge of the pool with the vacuum Skimmer. precariously. Oh, the vacuum. Yes. Balanced fancy. on this, on the edge. Um, so childhood yep fun childhood i remember i was into photography sometimes i would run up to that hill kind of by mo hands and try to catch the perfect picture of the sunset there are some great sunsets over there yes yep. like over the deck mm-hmm. yep oh like the deck hockey place yes mm-hmm. i was like oh, the yeah. deck at mo hands no the, yeah the deck hockey place mm-hmm. yeah um and you know of course I love food. I've always loved food. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how I start off when people ask me how I started the Facebook group. Um, And I started with my friend Cindy. We were teachers at Trinity Middle School together. Hmm. So, yes, I've always loved food. And where did that come from? I really don't know. You got the Italian last name. So, there's that. Which I also, I had a moment of panic right before Brian said my name because I'm like, is he going to know how to pronounce my last name? But of course, Uh. you must have prepped him on that unless I spent, did you I just spent, know i spent three hours he does a lot of deep dives <laughs> I, I into do. the show i I'm mean it's more the homework he's, and preparation. The, he's the rock of this whole thing. <laughs> that's not true but yeah i don't know where my love for food came from who was I, the i mean was your mom the, the primary cook in the household yes yeah we we ate great she made home-cooked meals what was her, best, what, was her what was her you know if, if people are coming over what's she making well, people didn't really come over. Um, mm. We had p- birthday parties and things like that. Um, but I would say, oh, gosh, put me on the spot. Um, you can say everything. That's a nice out. Yeah, everything, really. Um, she made chicken divan, mm. which I loved. Um, uh, fettuccine Alfredo. Now, is your mom Italian? No, she's not. Okay. She's Czechoslovakian. My, my grandfather, her dad is 100% Czech. And her mom is, I believe, English irish and german wow all right so, yeah we're a whole mix my dad's father was 100 percent italian so my dad is 50 percent, and i'm a quarter italian a quarter czech so we didn't really have that um ethnic identity right and mm. that's actually something that i've been wanting to do maybe over the summertime like when i'm on break from school is to work through a a cookbook or somebody's mm-hmm. pinterest page or Instagram page Gosh, and just Pinterest. cook authentic dishes. Yeah. I'm so anti-Pinterest. It's like... You're uh, anti-Pinterest. Oh, I can't even... It just... I've never... Nope. I just go there and it's like... It's a... Look, <laughs> Ashley's looking at me like... And I thought I knew you. I don't know. It seems disorganized to me and it's all over the place and I don't... Yeah, it is because sometimes you'll click on things expecting just to get a link to a recipe, but it's, it's not... 20 different pages of recipes like that one or something. Right. Or you get some kind of error message 
So I get it. I mean, yeah. that's that's how I was. I'm not judging if you want to go on Pinterest. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I probably really started going on Pinterest, I don't know, three years after it became really popular. Right. And now I have my, you know, few dozen things that I reference every once in a while. And you want to cook your way through sort of your, your heritages? Yeah, I would like oh, to. Cool. No, I think that would be great. I'm yeah. just thinking of all the different things you mentioned. I'm like Irish, okay, mm-hmm. Czech, sure. I want to start with the Czech and Italian first. Italian, you get stuck there forever. Well, I Czech know. too, for that matter. Right. I just saw in a uh, Anthony Bourdain's, was it No Reservations? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was either, I think it was Czech, but no, my fault. It was Bosnia, mm-hmm. but it was... It was pretty crazy, like this clay pot that they cook the meat in, and they cover it with all the ashes and like the coals mm. while yeah. it cooks. But it's like it's still on like a tabletop. It's mm-hmm. not like in mm-hmm. Hawaii with the pig roast. Mm-hmm. But they have to be careful once they do it because the ashes are flying through the air. And he said, but the elders say, you know, if you're not getting ashes, you're not really having whatever mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> the full dishes. experience, right? So being that that's uh, Bosnian and not Czech, you won't have to do that, right? Well, that's good to know. <laughs> that's really. <laughs> And so, growing up was good. Mm-hmm. Went off to college. I did. I went to Westminster College, and I kind of consider myself lucky in the fact that I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, mm. when I was 17. Mm-hmm. I had an aha moment. Um, I was at a, a choir festival, and I just remember sitting on stage. I remember exactly where I was sitting. I remember what the lighting looked like. And our director was probably, he seemed like he was 80 years old at the time, but he was probably only 60, 65. This little old man jumping around full of energy. And I just had this aha moment that I knew that I wanted to teach music for the rest of my life. Wow. At 17? Uh Uh-huh. That's a great time. I still mm-hmm. don't know what I want to do. <laughs> You're close, though. Bro. I'm so You're close. You're so close. I'm getting there. I took a test. You <laughs> <laughs> said it's not what you're doing now. That's for sure. You were diagnosed with accurate imposter syndrome. That's the worst. <laughs> Westminster is a nice campus, and that that whole area up there mm-hmm. is. Um, I used to deliver water up around that area. What? Yeah, uh, I almost ran over an Amish cart. Like I, I came around the corner onto this road, and this horse just like reared up, and I'm in oh, this wow. big water truck, and I didn't hit them, and it wasn't bad, but um, but yeah, that's a that's a that's a really nice campus up there, uh, a lot of history and character, and that's a that, that'd be a good school to go to. Yeah, I really liked it, and I remember maybe let's see, when I was around 27, I went through this period of time where I just really wanted to go to college again. I was just not happy with where my life was and I just wasn't happy in general mm-hmm. and I just had this urge that I wanted to go back to college and redo it and have fun mm-hmm. and um, I got what do you call it when you get asked to join a sorority or a fraternity you pledged you? yeah I guess so so I got asked to be in one and I at, think my at senior 27? year no 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 my oh. senior year oh. <laughs> no, no no and I, I said no so looking back you know rush the age you rush that's what you do you rush but I didn't do. You were probably asked, asked to pledge. Me. Asked to pledge, and then they were like, right. "You pledge, you'll be in." Yeah, that kind of thing. But you said no. I said no because I don't really know why. Was it Tau Beta Sigma? Mm-mm. No, my brother was in that one. Uh, I'll have to. And it was yeah, like it's, a, it's like a music fraternity, sorority slash sorority. I was in the music one, Mu Phi Epsilon, but we really didn't do much. It was like an academic one where you just kind of said that you were in it right that's pretty much you might have had a meeting once in a while 
Right. I was in one for my major, and I don't even remember what it is. Like it was, it was more of an on, I say honorary, but like yeah, it's an mm-hmm. academic association, not right. a fraternal whatever. Mm-hmm. But you said at twenty seven you wanted to go back, but you didn't yeah. go back. No. No, I mean, I, I got my master's degree online between the ages of, I think, 24 and 26. I did that program through Kent State University. And what was what was it about? So if you're unhappy at 27, and that's what you just kind of said, this wasn't good, you weren't mm-hmm. happy, whatever else. What was it about college that, like, why, why didn't you say, I want to move to Hawaii or start a new career. Like what was, why was college the thought of a good time? Like what, why, what was the the call for that? I think because I was with all my friends and like-minded peers, Mm. you know, just all kids going to school for music. And Mm. we had a great time making music together. And we went on a couple of choir tours, which are always super fun. And you didn't have the responsibilities of a true adult yet. You know, you don't really have bills. You have you to put gas in your car. Right. <laughs> you think you do at the time. Right. And so how much of that sort of, it sounds like you had like this relational momentum when you were in college, if that makes sense. Like, okay, I got a bunch of people that are like me. We're all going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And then you graduate from college and it's like, it's like a slingshot and like you're getting further away from that. Right. And it slowed down. And you wanted sort of that relational momentum again. Were you always surrounded by like-minded, not like-minded, you know what I'm saying? Like, did you always have that group inertia in your life? Were you always a part of something where you had a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, fellowship and and like-mindedness? I think so, because when I was in fourth grade, I um, joined Mrs. Spiri's choir, the Eastern Area Youth Chorale. Ever heard of it? I can never I can never call her by her first name. So. Oh, that's Mrs. Spiri. <laughs> yes. So I was part of that. I went to church my entire life. Where'd you go to church? I went to um, Universal Presbyterian Church. Really? The little red yeah. and white church. Yeah. Wow. Right across, across from Universal from Pizza. pizza. Mm-hmm. Have you had their gluten-free pizza? I have not. Do you know about it? No. Yeah. And see, that's what we wondered why she, we, why, that's the whole, what is that's God's the purpose? entire reason she's here. <laughs> it's it. really good. And we're going to shift hats really all good. night long, everybody. And food's going to keep coming back in because she's Has obviously to. a big foodie. So am I. So I am gluten-free 95% by choice. Okay. But also for its anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. stuff, everything else. Somebody told me about Universal's gluten-free pizza and they warn you. It's not like certified. Chris is watching, by the way. Gluten-free. Right. He said he's under the table, not at the table. <laughs> Whoa. But he's the, yeah. they're, they're the gluten-free advocates and whatnot. Yeah. Right. And so they're like, you know, but I'm not like, I'm not going to die if I have a little bit of gluten or whatever right. else. It is the, you will not find a better gluten-free pie anywhere, anywhere. And I know people who will get really sick and they've had it and they haven't gotten sick. Hmm. You, It's got to be witchcraft, voodoo, and cigarette ashes mm-hmm. yeah. that she puts in that pie. Mm-hmm. You guys have both had it. Oh, it's great. It. We've we've gotten the dough and taken it on vacation, because it's it's that good. Yeah, like it's the be- they should. And it's awesome that they sell the dough. I I almost want to go there and be like, can I help you sell this and market it so that you can like, because it's that good. I've never had like gluten free pizzas cardboard. It's not car- it's pizza. It tastes like pizza. It's got the chew. It's got the flavor. Yeah, whatever voodoo they put in there. I mean, like they need to take because I know they rent out like the apartments above it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, put an air bubble in, make it a gluten-free kitchen, and make it certified gluten-free. Yeah. And they'll be millionaires. Yeah, really not, would be. It's not a cheap pizza, but... It's not that expensive. No, it's not that expensive. No. 
but it's not cheap. But the church across the street is where you went growing up. It is. Yep. You were saying as far as groups you were a part of, mm-hmm. always a part of a group. Yep. But I would like to interject that my friend Thespina, she sings in the choir with What's me. What's her name? Thespina. Thespina. She's Greek. Oh, okay. Yeah. With a TH? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I know a Despina. Oh, okay. Yeah, Thespina. I don't know either. <laughs> So we went to Mer- Mercurio's Mercurio's um, about a month ago, and she had heard in one of her gluten-free Facebook pages that she's a part of that they had really good gluten-free pizza. And apparently they did. I didn't try it, but she's she's like me. Like, I, I get emotional over food sometimes, and she got emotional over food because she oh, hasn't sure. been able to have, a you know, a, mm-hmm. a pizza crust yeah. that it really tastes and feels like real pizza mm-hmm. for a long time. She did. That, and I'm not judging that at all. Do you remember uh, my nephews, Matthew and or Michael Pleschkowski? Yes. I think Matthew's wife's somewhere in there. They know that like they're the people that own like I think maybe it's like a fraternity brother, his own Mercurios. Oh, is that right? I think. Well, their pizza is really good regardless Wait, of. Are you gluten free? I'm not. Oh, okay. Thespina is though. Thespina mm-hmm. is. And she cried about the pizza because it was so delicious. Yep. You said you get emotional over food. We're coming right out of your childhood, going right into your present. What's the last food you got emotional over? Oh, gosh. Um, the last or one. Or any. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last one. I know I've gotten emotional over, uh, I've definitely teared up over meatballs from um, the one at Highland Park, uh, Tambellini's. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love because they tasted just like my mom's, but <sighs> maybe a tiny bit better. <laughs> and that was years ago. And uh, more recently, although I know there was a, a most recent time, but I got emotional over cupcakes. So mm. there's a bakery in Bridgeville called Batter and Dough. Makes and sense. You can smell it from the outside. You can smell the chocolate and the all of the goodness. Like you're excited by the time you walk in the door. Yes. Like a good bakery smells good inside. Yeah. Right. A great bakery. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a few of their cupcakes and took them home and cut them into little pieces just so I could sample each one. And I'm tasting them and I start to tear up because they taste like something that I would make. And I'm very, very picky. So talking, going back to imposter syndrome, I don't have imposter syndrome about my cooking and baking. Hmm. I, I know that I am a good cook and a good baker. Yeah. Um, so when I was tasting these cupcakes, I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are so good. And she's going to make it. Has she made it? I think so. Okay, good. Because they're going to be like, <laughs> and they closed. <laughs> no, they're they're flourishing. They're doing very well. Wow. You guys ever get emotional over food? Um, if I haven't had it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the best bread I've ever had. <laughs> uh, I don't know about uh, emotional. I mean... I get excited. I, like, I, get, yes. I get really excited. Uh, <laughs> so what's the last food that you got really excited about? Uh, my wife's lasagna, which is her um, grandmother's recipe, and we have it at Christmas. And I I could eat a whole pan of it. It is... Would you say that's her signature dish? Because it's... Dude, you've had it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you've had it. I have not had it. Yeah. It's really good. Dude, it's so good. And man, I look forward to it. Yeah, I haven't had lasagna. Like, I, like, I, like, I just get so excited. Yeah. (laughs) I got sad when the green forest in Pan Hills closed, the the Trascaria. Me too. So sad about that. 
because I knew the owner. Uh, she was this authentic Brazilian woman, and they kept it going for what 15 20 years whatever we'd been to brazil been to a churrascaria down there and came back and it was like it was just so incredibly authentic and she was so warm and kind and nice and then they closed during covid because that's a that's a that's got to be a pricey you're all you're buying all these giant cuts of meat well and with all the regulations and stuff over covid like it's a very communal yeah experience yeah which i loved so much i was so sad about that yeah Marilyn chimed in and said that it's Michael's roommate's Steve. His sister is married to a Mercurio. And Matthew's oh. wife, Riley, said best gluten-free pizza she's ever had. There mm. we go. So, sponsored by Mercurio's. Chris, <laughs> Chris says we need to have a um, Mercurio's versus Universal gluten-free pizza off. I'm down. I'm there I for that. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Of course, now I'm not even doing any kind of green, though, so I'm yeah. kind of out. Oh, make an exception. Yeah. yeah, I'm grain-free. Grain. I thought you said green. Oh, no, grain. No, I do green. Yeah. No grain. Right. So you were doing the um, the carnivore diet? Indeed. How did that go? It was great. Uh, it has, it was, and for the most part is, like basically I'm carnivore plus low glycemic vegetables and fruits. So like I'll do coleslaw that I make on my own or cream spinach that I make on my own and like avocado or raspberries. But I absolutely love it. It's just a clean way to live, no gas, no stomach pains, good weight control, tons of energy. Eat. I really have to force myself to have a third meal. You know, I have a big breakfast, and then like five or six o'clock, I'll have a pork chop and something else, a piece of cheese, whatever else. And then it's like 10 o'clock. I'm like, all right, I'll have a steak, you know. Mm -hmm. But no, it's, it's a good way to live. Well, and his pursuit of it last year, especially, rubbed off on everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, um, the uh, people ask me, and I'm not 100 percent by any means, but people are like, "What is it like?" And I just tell them it's efficient, like the way that you're, the way that you feel, you eat, and it's enjoyable, but you're you get not bloated, like you said. It's yeah. it's it's it's, ju it, it's just an efficient way to eat, and I mean the pounds really come off. Not that it's something that you do. I kind of had to stop. Yeah, like I went hardcore eight months with the only non-animal product being half of an avocado with breakfast for. Shall we say, di not even digestion, but elimination purposes. Mm -hmm. But eight months, and I got down to like I think my lowest was what one, like, like one sixty. No, it was like, like yeah, like one sixty one or something like that. Like right now, I'm carrying myself at like one seventy one. Then mm -hmm. I had to just stop because I wasn't. I would have either had to start lifting a whole lot or eat less or. And I just introduced those. So, which reminds me of the uh, Universal Presbyterian Church. Which is where we left off. <laughs> so, uh, what was that? Was a small church? Obviously, it wasn't huge. It was a small church, but I remember back in back in the day, you know, in the mid nineties, um, they would be packed for things like Christmas and standing room only. And then when we had our EAYC concerts there, same thing. Oh, so they hosted the concerts back then. Yes, hmm. until I was a junior in high school. My senior year, we moved to Zion Lutheran Church. Ah, yes. And they still meet there quite yes, a they bit, do. don't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that still going? Yeah, it's it's still going. It's because she's sort of quasi retired, except she's never going to retire. <laughs> exactly right. Um, yeah, the, the EAYC is um, it's it's getting a lot smaller, and I'm not exact exactly sure what her plans are, you right. know, in the near future. And what does that do to you emotionally? Like, eh, it is what it is. Everything has its season, or does it kind of tug at the heartstrings? Um, a little bit of both, for sure. 
But yeah, I mean, everything does have its season. And I feel like kids just aren't interested in, in that kind of thing like they were when Certainly I was less so, young. At least around here, mm-hmm. perhaps. When, when you were with the EAYC, did you do any of those like trips to Europe and stuff like that? Some, mm-hmm. cause I know Chris and like the Davidsons have been on stuff like that. Yeah. So you did, what, what was that like? What did uh, you do? Amazing. Um, they choir tours are the most fun I've ever had. And we, as a family, we never went on vacation. We just didn't have the extra money to do that. Mm-hmm. So choir tours were always kind of my vacation. Mm-hmm. And I saw, most of the eastern half of the United States, and I went to Europe um, with EAYC once, right after I graduated high school. Mm. And then when I was in college, we went to Spain, I think my sophomore or junior year, which I'm also going back to Spain in three months. And wow. now I'm the director. Oh, wow. That's cool. awesome. So yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. I where in to, Spain? We're going to Seville, Barcelona, and Madrid. Okay. Mm. And where did you go before those three places? No, I went to Seville before and then the Andalusian region. Don't even know it. I I don't either. Well, you will. <laughs> or you did. Yes. No, I've been to Madrid. I was in Madrid and then on the northern coast. And it's, I mean, it's, it's what you think of Madrid. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you are in the heart of Spain right there. I remember my dad in the cab uh, said to the, the cab driver, Playa del uh, Rey. And the cab driver just looked at him. And I said, Dad, you mean plaza? I said, you just said beach of the king. <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy's like, see? <laughs> and we went. with. I'm sorry. With the uh, Mendelssohn Choir, do you travel at all? Um, I would imagine because you're pretty. that's a pretty big deal, like we said earlier. Well, I've only been in it. This is my fifth consec- or my fifth overall year, but my fourth consecutive year. And we basically lost, you know, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did go to Italy, I think, in 2017 or 18 um, ish. I didn't go on that trip, but we are planning a Croatian tour, oh, which was supposed to happen this summer, but they postponed it one more summer. So yeah. I'm hoping to go next year. Mm. What can you describe your um, the the audition process? Because when we went to the symphony last um, last month. Lex and I got to talking, my wife and I got to talking about how difficult it is for somebody to get into one of those chairs in the symphony. Mm-hmm. Like it's rigorous. It's, mm-hmm. it's a long, long time. And people spend lots and lots of money of their own money to do that. What was that process like for you? And what were the emotions like as you went through that and then got accepted into it? So my first year, my friend Claudia from Westminster, she said, um, I think we were had both she's a year younger than I am so I think she had just gr- graduated from college or was a year out and then I was you know one more year out than she was and she said why don't we audition for the Mendelssohn Choir and I said well I'll do it for the experience but I'm not going to get in mm-hmm. and I got in so um, that time so there are two different sections there's there's the uh, um, the volunteer group which we don't get paid and then there's the core group which does get paid mm-hmm. so um, I just auditioned for the volunteer group the first time. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, I said, well, I'm going to go out for the core. You know, I might as well. I have nothing to lose. Um, we had to take a music theory test. What's the, like, when you say the core, what is, I mean, obviously we know what the word core means, but mm-hmm. what does that mean in this context? Um, it's just a, a a group of, they call it the professional core. Mm-hmm. So it's most likely 
people who have gone to school for voice, either vocal performance or, you know, have a lot of experience with performing and who are just excellent at their craft. Um, so when I auditioned for the core, I had to take a music theory test and we had to sight read, which I don't remember if we have to do that for the volunteer group or not, and then sing a couple of pieces in different languages. Okay. So I'm going out for the core. Our audition is sometime next month. So I'm working on um, a piece in Italian and in French okay. right now. That's incredible. If you need yeah. any help with that, you just reach out there. We got you. That's no problem. <laughs> What are, what are your emotions as you lead into this? Like it, it, it started off as just a, hey, let's, let's try it. Now you're working your way up and obviously you're, you feel very intentional about wanting to get into it. So what, where are you right now as you lead into that? Do you have, do you have, uh, like test anxiety or something anything like that? Yeah. And going back to the imposter syndrome. So mm-hmm. that kind of plays a role into any audition process mm-hmm. or if I have a solo or something like that, which I haven't, the professional core has the solos in the Mendelssohn. So I haven't had a solo with them yet, but I've been taking a few voice lessons with a wonderful woman named Paula. So hi, Paula, if you're listening or watching. Thank you, Paula. <laughs> um, and she's really helping to boost my confidence as well. So does she do that? To, like, does she speak sternly to you and Man. like, so into you or is she like gentle and, how does she go about that? She's like a cheerleader. So she'll just say, oh, that sounded absolutely beautiful. And people would pay money to hear that. And, you know, any correction is just done very gently and in a loving way. Okay. So. And is that you respond well to that? I do. Yes. I mean, I'm the kind of person where I want to do something the right way and or the best way. So I want mm. to know if I'm doing something wrong. And do you beat yourself up when you do it wrong? Yes. Most of the time. Because I, because it with it with your relational needs questionnaire, your one of your highest needs is acceptance, which is being loved even though you've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you enjoy the hey, okay, this sounded great. However, we mm-hmm. can do it this way. So when you're saying like, if you get like a sharp criticism, does it sort of hit twice? Yes, and like crushes. Mm-hmm. Certainly makes sense. Where does that come from? Because very often people were raised either in households like. Nine times out of ten, it comes from our childhood, mm-hmm. but it can come from two different directions. We're always pointed out what we did wrong, or we were never pointed out what we did wrong. That's interesting because well, I, I don't remember either. No. How long have you felt that like that way? Like, do you feel like you walk on eggshells around people? Hmm. Not no, not not anymore. And it, growing up um, around a, a family member, I did. Um, but not anymore. However, I do have this feeling that comes up sometimes. So, for instance, my parents and I went out to um, to Roman Bistro in Forest Hills mm-hmm. last month to celebrate my dad and, and my birthday because we're two days apart in February. Happy so, birthday. Thank you. 35 this year. I was wondering the entire time. I was like, <laughs> she said 27. How long ago was that? Yeah. No idea. So um, I had this feeling where okay, I have to make sure my mom and dad are having a good time and everything is okay and they're enjoying themselves. So every once in a while, that feeling will kind of crop up when I'm with a group, even if I'm not hosting something. And not specific to your parents. No. But you're sort of the appeaser. You want to make sure everybody's okay. Yes. I mean, you can identify that with that to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. And I was also going to... It's it's really curious because you're talking about your vocal coach and it sounds like... She gives you really good encouragement, but that's not 
that's low on your list, which I thought was kind of surprising. The way you talk about that, mm. you, that you like that. But I'm wondering if it's more, and it's not one of your top three, but approval is at number six. And yeah. I wonder if it's more related to that, a sense of belonging. Like you are doing a good job and you are a good singer and you're one of us, you know, kind of thing. Jay, you've. No, that's I really insightful <clears throat> um, because clearly that is evident. Like I'm a part of the choir. I'm a part of this. Right. My crew in college that it's evident throughout your life. And I, I wanted to go back to when you were 27 and not feeling great, but I think for sure it is, it's meeting her need for belonging. Yeah. yeah. I, I am worthy. I am a good singer. Right. Because, validation. Because even, yes. yeah. and, and it's, it's meeting the need because you don't believe it, mm-hmm. you know, in your core to whatever degree. So yeah, I would agree with that. But, and then what I identified was the acceptance. She's mm-hmm. not hurting me in that regard. She's right. not screaming at me, telling me you're never, you know, because I, I can only imagine in the music industry, you have those kind of teachers that no matter what, it is not okay. And I demand perfection. Mm-hmm. That would crumble you, correct? Yeah. And I've never had that experience, thankfully. Right. God, I would hope not. <laughs> so you have this wonderful teacher now and everything else. Tell me, go back to 27. You said you mm-hmm. felt terribly alone and wanted to go back to college. That's where we kind of crawled uh into this rabbit hole or took this avenue what was going on that left you feeling in this sort of empty space well i was either newly married or about to get married and kind of um you know had a feeling that maybe things weren't going to last Mm. so i think Mm. that's kind of where that stemmed from and then things were also extremely stressful at school um, I I was teaching at Trinity Middle School, and then I ended up resigning the summer of 2017. So that was right after, yeah, right after I turned 30. So I, maybe I was like 28 or 29 when I was having these, I want to go back to college feelings. So I think a lot of things, um, or most things in my personal life, you know, my most important relationship um, w- was not going well. And then... Um, things at work were very stressful and I felt like um, administration wasn't supporting me and also um, I had lost a couple of people who I was very close to so Mm. just all of those things Mm. combined I think contributed to that thought of like wanting to go back what a gross and ugly time like everywhere you turned there was no security it was all just crumbling Mm -hmm. you said something and you said, my, you know, I was either married or about to get married. And I had a sense that it wasn't going to be, well, I forget the exact words, what I wanted it to be or what it she needed was, to she be. She was married or about to get married with a, with kind of an, a bad feeling about it. And yeah, I, I was going to ask the same question. Right. Like, what was that like? Because that has to be a thousand emotions. Yeah. It's going to be terrifying to to be making this what, commitment. What, were there red flags or was it just that general uneasiness about you, you in that time? Like, what, why would you, what, what made you perceive that? Um, lots of red flags. Um, so my ex-husband and I had a rocky relationship from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting because several months before I was going to get married, I met a friend of mine for dinner and this friend, I, taught her daughter in the orchestra and the choir at my old school. And I also taught the mom, um, her name is Shelly. I taught her voice lessons because she sang at her church and she just wanted to get 
better at singing. So, um, and she's a Christian and we just really had a wonderful connection together. So we were out at dinner one night, uh, maybe in the spring or summertime. I love that it revolves around food. <laughs> Keep going. Right. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember sitting there and she had prayed for me before. Like we had some really awesome wow. moments and I was sitting there and I was this close to telling her, Shelly, I don't think I should get married. And then the server came over to our table and the moment was gone and I, I lost my nerve to say something. Mm. Well, I blame him for all the problems. The server? <laughs> yeah. Why do you assume it was him? <laughs> I blame the server for... Uh, <laughs> nice. But in that moment, so you said, I, I lost the nerve mm-hmm. or whatever else. Do you blame yourself for not saying it? I don't. Okay. Because it kind of sounded like that. Like I lost my nerve, so I should have said something and I didn't. No, I don't blame myself and I don't regret anything that's happened wow um, how come and i'm not i'm not disagreeing yeah but for an imposter you know very often you say that comes with low self-esteem and everything else well then you typically would blame yourself so how have you gotten that perspective god <laughs> i mean <laughs> jesus i I, <laughs> I think um oh i know that everything that's happened to me good bad or otherwise happens for a reason and i i more so believe that the bad things, the bad experiences that I have, the hard times that I go through, it's so that I can help somebody else wow. in a similar situation. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is evolved thinking and certainly is reflected in the fact that your emotional need for security is three, which is one of your three lowest. Mm-hmm. And for somebody with that kind of a past, you would think it would be higher. But yet the perspective, if we go back to Joseph Jason, you know, he was all mm-hmm. about perspective is such a good perspective to have. And so that period was so ugly as far as professionally, personally, um, for lack of a letter term, even relationally, losing relationships, loved ones and everything else. Obviously, God helped you get through it. Were there other significant people in your life at that time? Or was it really just one of those tough, isolated, not only alone, but lonely times? Um. I think I became closer to my parents during that time. Mm-hmm. And also I was uh, working at the YMCA and my she was my boss. And I don't know if she's listening right now, but she's one of my best friends now. And she she and I would work the front desk at the YMCA together. And we would just talk and talk and talk because we would work usually like the evening shift, like four to ten or six to ten. Mm. And we would just talk and we went through a lot of similar things and she actually um, ended up getting divorced a couple years after I did. And, you know, so we just have so much in common. And I feel like she really helped me through that time. Um, and I have a wonderful friend, Sarah, who um, we've really grown close about, a, I think, the year that that, well, the year before um, I got divorced, we became Sorry to become really, really good friends, and she's been there for me every step of the way. So, and I have a few other close friends as well that I'm very thankful for because I went through a period where I didn't really have close friends at all, mm-hmm. and, and now I have you know a, a core group of maybe four or five people that you know we're there for each other. Wow, and it's it's neat that you what you wanted is what you had which is I want to go back to college and I want to have that. And yet then God provides for you the new version of what you had as far as those relationships and that, and that sense of belonging, mm-hmm. even if it's just two individuals, not a greater group. Although when did you join Mendelssohn? 
Um, I joined for the first time in 2012. Oh, so it's almost a. That's before that time, isn't it? Right. So I was in it from 2012 to 13, and then I was just doing too much. I was in grad school and teaching private lessons and teaching full time, and it was too much. So I re auditioned um, two months, about two months before um, my ex husband and I split up. And so if you were at 28, 29, 30, it was sort of that dark period, 27 through there. Yes. Uh, how has it been since? Oh, well, there were a lot of dark times after that, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I would say the first couple of years that I was back on my own, it was it was very tough because I had quit my job at Trinity, like a n- nice paying te- teaching gig. Right. Um, so I didn't have that anymore. So financially, I was struggling a lot. Um, I remember one morning I turned my car on to go to work um, the job that I was working at the time and all these, all the lights were mm. flashing and mm. it was like shaking. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to drive it to the dealership, um, which was about 15 minutes away. And I'm like, I can't even put this thing on the road. And I had some ridiculous amount of money in my bank account, like 17 cents or something like that. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm like, I'm never going to put myself in this situation again. So mm. I got a part-time job serving at Permantis or Permanti Brothers, <laughs> but Permantis for us Pittsburghers. Permantis. Um, and yeah, so ever since that, that was the fall of 18, I kind of hmm. uh, crawled my way through different jobs. And it was at this time that I kind of realized I made a mistake by quitting my teaching job because not only for the financial security, but of course, because it was what I felt like I was meant to do. Back way to your back. aha moment. Yes, yes. So I I um, interviewed for dozens of positions over the That's next couple in of years. Itself. Just, just interviewing is just the worst. Is. Yep. I, I feel like I became like a pro yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in- interviewee. And my, I remember my dad saying, like, Ashley, how do you, how do you keep doing this? Like, you, you're getting so many rejections. How do you keep doing it? And I just said, because I have to. Mm-hmm. So. But how horrific. Because like you just said, I mean, you said the whole self-esteem, the whole, this, you know, this is sort of the subtitle of this episode is the imposter application. Hmm. But that's horrible <laughs> for someone who's like struggling with self-esteem in the first place to be like. No, yeah. not good enough. No, not good <clears throat> enough. Mm. But it, it kind of goes back to um, the whole, like, I know everything is is part of the a greater plan. Mm-hmm. So I, even though I was devastated for a couple of these rejections, for the most part, I just, you know, I had my sad time and then I said, all right, well, it just wasn't meant to be. And there was a purpose to the pain. Like, okay, there's there's a reason why. And I'm going to hang my hat on that and move mm-hmm. forward. And then eventually. Yeah. Eventually, I, I got the job at Penn Hills. I did not know <laughs> that. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that was amazing. I mean, I was so, so incredibly thankful that I got that job. And I just felt like. And you like, get that job right before. Yeah. Well, it was actually um, at the height. Not the height. But it was the fall of 2020. Right. Oh, it was the fall of 2020? The fall of 2020, ah, okay. yeah. So we're in the middle of it. In the middle of it. Wow. Yep. Yeah, be a choir director with nobody in class and or masks on all the time. And even if they are in class, they can't sing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like maybe the next job. Maybe that's the one that's going to be perfect and easy. And, but, and even at the end, it was, uh, how do I put it, without 
breaking any kind of confidence or anything else. You you put up with a lot in dealing with your alma mater and in a t- in a tough time for a teacher at Penn Hills. I'll just mm-hmm. leave it at that. Yes. It was not an easy. The masks wasn't the hardest part you had to deal with by mm-hmm. the end. It wasn't, but they were pretty darn difficult. I mean, <laughs> you know, they- don't discount the masks, <laughs> yeah. Jay. Don't discount the the, the uh, non singing in the choir. That that was tough. <laughs> what kind of choir are you in? Non singing choir. <laughs> Avant garde. <laughs> and so you transitioned away from that professionally. And where, mm-hmm. so wait, let me go backwards emotionally. Mm-hmm. So you, you you really found a new level of yourself as far as like, I got to do this. I don't care if I'm sad. There's yep. a purpose to it. You know, and you, even your own father, who is no softy, I'm right. sure he has his soft he side. He does. He does. Have I'm soft sure side. he does. <laughs> but I mean, he's, he's sort of the man's man, mm-hmm. right? He works with his hands, gruff, rah, 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 all that kind of fun stuff. He's looking at you going, you're tough. And so you found this mm-hmm. new gear in your life and you grind your way out and you get this new job that is the dream job, except it's not. Mm-hmm. And are you emotionally like, all right, here we are. Like, are you out of that sort of five-year funk? Are you are you doing better? Is it feeling good? Or where are you emotionally during that whole period? Because um, mind you, we're in the middle of a pan- coming out of a – no, we're in the middle of a pandemic at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. I, I never really felt settled. Um, at my Penn Hills job, which kind of is mm. weird to say because I'm a Penn Hills alum mm-hmm. and I was teaching what I had done through high school. Mm-hmm. But for I don't know exactly why, but that's I just never really felt settled. It's a different building. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why. That's probably why. Yeah, that's why. I feel like it'd be weird going back to, and I'm from Penn Hills too, and it'd be weird to go back and teach something. Hmm. Yeah. So... <laughs> Well, but where do you, what? Yeah. No, I, I mean, like people, I get it. Like, because uh, there'd be people that know who you are, you know, yeah. obviously. And, you know, it's it's different from like going and getting a fresh start. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. There's some baggage there. Right. And yeah. I think I <clears throat> wanted a fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> and did you get one? I did. Um, I teach at Commonwealth Charter Academy mm. and I teach all online and I teach music. It's uh, more of like a general music curriculum. And I, absolutely love it i i couldn't be happier that's awesome <laughs> and i'm happy to say that and finally happy to be happy yeah and, and okay yeah. right and you feel competent i do see i do there's more than 17 cents in your bank account yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the, you're the, you're finding the online environment works well for you and and the kid or the kids that you're teaching um we really we have a high failure rate but i think that goes for any online school mm-hmm mm. Um, But one of the big reasons why I was looking for another position when I got hired at Penn Hills is because of the masks and the uncertainty and, okay, today we're going to be in school, tomorrow we're going to be home, and you can't sing in choir. And and you have to cover six classes that aren't choir. Right. Right. Uh, So it mm. it was a lot. Um, Not too many fights in charter schools? No. Online? Not not really, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I just wanted consistency and I applied to another um, another cyber school. Didn't get that job, but the the CCA job was. Um, do you remember Amber Manos? No. She's about five years older than me. We went to the same church. Um, but she she and I, you know, go out to dinner sometimes and everything. And she messaged me, or maybe I was talking to her, and she said, well, you should apply to CCA. Her daughter went there for a year or two, and really, they really liked it. Hmm. So I applied. I had two extremely um, easy interviews, and then they offered me the job. I mean, I didn't even have to do a teaching demonstration. Hmm. It was... And it's going well, though. 
it's going amazing. Okay, because that would be my fear that they're just like, <laughs> she wants to work here. She no. wants to work here. We no. got her. <laughs> well, they, they've been around since 2003, so they're almost 20 years old. Yeah, that's and, pretty established. Yeah, and, and the culture is just incredible. Everybody is so supportive and hardworking and creative and dedicated. I just can't say What a great enough. fit. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on the fact that it's if anybody you know you've you've started Pittsburgh Foodies, which I, I'd like to be noted as. I mean, where was I? I was like what in the first hundred or two? Oh, definitely, you're an OG. I'm an OG, <laughs> all right. You know, and now there's over what thirty five thousand thirty five thousand members of your group. Is there an, not an imposter syndrome in that? But it's kind of like that's not who you are. That's that's sort of what people know you as. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like how we hmm. before we started, we talked about how oh, you must get a free meal everywhere in Pittsburgh. Right. She's like, I got chips and salsa, <laughs> but that guy moved. <laughs> you know, it's like, but how's that experience been? Because it is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got to be a way to monetize it, but you know, uh, it's sure, a lot harder than you. Think. Oh no, well, we I'm know. sure it is. Yeah. We know. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we had 35 people listening to one podcast. We ain't gonna block. No. But how's that experience been? It has to be exciting. It's got to be at times burdensome. Yeah, and and my co-admin Cindy. Yeah, and I she know does, that you do have a co. And yeah, she not- does so much. Um, she's on a sabbatical this year, and she has some extra time. Um, oh, I thought you were taking a sabbatical from Pittsburgh Foodies. And I was oh. like, wow, this is organized. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's sabbatical from her employment. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Makes more sense. So she she does so much um, because we have post approval on pretty much everybody. And we have member approval on everybody as well. So anybody who wants to join the group, we go through each person individually. Wow. And yeah. So between the two of you, you have approved 35,000 <laughs> Applications. That's a lot. I guess we have. I just, yeah. I just asked to join today, so you didn't get in, did you? <laughs> well, well, actually, I don't know if I clicked all the way through because I was grabbing the the group link for the show notes. But right, I'm going to apply. And has okay. it has it? You know, it started out small, like, hey, here's what I cooked, here's where so, I yeah, went. Yeah, started from yeah, zero members. <laughs> and have you made any relationships with people in that regard? Definitely. Yeah, I've I've made um, a few friends and a whole lot of acquaintances, and we've hosted a couple, well, a few events too. Our picnic was kind of a flop. We we had a picnic in September. Yeah, I remember that. Nobody came. Oh, no. Um, oh, I think we had eleven people. Oh, well, all due like, respect to the eleven which who came. I, yes, with the eleven people, and Cindy and I had a wonderful time. Um, but you know, we had like twenty five thousand people at that point, so we were just wow. hoping for. You're like, yeah. is there going to be enough space? <laughs> yeah. Is there going to be enough? Wow. <laughs> yeah, but we had a, <sighs> a pizza making class at Enrico Biscotti in the Strip District, and that was super fun. Um, and then Cindy did a cookie decorating class, maybe three or four weeks after that. I couldn't make that one, but it was a great time. I heard so. What a keep, cool group! Yeah, keep yeah. grinding. Sounds awesome. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't stop. And I just, you know, I I didn't answer your question. Um, I don't really feel um, any certain way about it. I mean, I think it's really cool that we have this many people. It doesn't puff up your feathers, but it also, you don't feel like an imposter. You're like, yeah, I started a group and it's got 35,000 people. Right, right. I'm very, like, neutral about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool, though, because it is what it is, and it is a cool thing, Mm -hmm. I think. It's very cool. Yeah. So what's next for Ashley? Well... Um, something that I, maybe I'll have to give you guys an update on Ooh. in a few weeks, but I don't want to 
I don't want to say anything yet. But you got something. I've got something, something cooking. Give us some categories. Sounds intriguing and exciting. So um, professional, personal, musical. Uh, professional and food related. Ooh. Yeah. That's... And you guys are actually the first to even have a hint about oh, that. Man. That just you happened heard it today. First. Nothing I like more than a tease. <laughs> <laughs> like stubbing my toes just slightly better. <laughs> yeah. Or worse. No, it's better. Oh, you like to hit your head too. Yeah, I like. Yeah, that's that was as much as I like a good tease. But that's exciting. I'm excited for you. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. That's really cool. Hey, before we get done, what are you going to say? I wish I would have said. Hmm. Best meal you've had in that. Pittsburgh. The best meal I've had in Pittsburgh. Oh, Besides boy. your mom's meatballs, we got um, a tambourine. Yeah. <laughs> Second best mom's. Oh, tears seasoning the meatballs. <laughs> Seasoned with tears. You know, um, I always say people cook with love. Mm-hmm. I want to open up a restaurant and say it's cooked with indifference. <laughs> like, it's just food, bro. I don't know what to tell you. Here's your waffle. I want to make a restaurant. We've talked about it. I've said in the past that I would start my own diner because I like to cook. And it would be called What's Good. And I only cook. Well, when you walk in, we yell What's Good. Mm-hmm. But I only cook what I cook that's good. So it's just What's Good. <laughs> And then we were talking the other night, and we're like, well, then we could have like stuff like what's fine. Yeah. It's and all right. Then, and it's what you asked for. <laughs> like, there's no guarantees in this bottom section. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. So yeah. Your, your favorite meals. I wrote, I wrote some of them down. So I would say, uh, and, and I, I can't really answer this question because I feel like some of my favorite restaurants or favorite meals I might not have eaten yet. Mm. Sure. Oh, well, they're still out there. But some of my favorite places, favorite meals um, include Oak Hill Post, which is a newer place in Brookline. Mm, Oak Hill Post. Mm-hmm. What kind of fare is that? Um, American. They had dinner service. Um, I think they were like just lunch for a while, then then dinner and lunch, and now they're breakfast and lunch. So they have like really good uh, burgers. They have a really good fried chicken sandwich, some breakfast sandwiches, their biscuits. So it's sort of approachable full. American fare. It's not like yes. super high end. It's just good solid food. Yes. Wow. Yep. Um, and, and Cafe Du Jour in the South Side is in my top three. The minute you say du jour, I go, that ain't for me. <laughs> like, it's too fancy for my blood. It, it, they're not fancy, though. They're, again, it's very approachable, approachable food. Wow. Yeah. Ah. All right. Well, okay. So, so not fancy. I don't think I don't believe in guilty pleasures. You like what you like. But if if you could have like if if you would million dollar meal. No, what your what your guilty pleasure meal would be like? Crunchwrap Supreme and Taco Bell. You know, like what I, you know what I mean? Like just something that's like really because you're a foodie. Mm-hmm. But what would you like? So you're saying regardless of caloric intake or even quality of exactly. construction. Exactly. Like. Now I want to get Taco Bell. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> like something that I haven't had yet or something that no, I No, something had. that you had. Like it's like a guilty pleasure meal. Like it's just not like, oh. like fettuccine Alfredo, fettuccine, Alf, fettuccine Alfredo <laughs> at Olive Garden. Mm-hmm. You know, like no Italian's going to. There's no like, pretense to this. It's just makes my mouth happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's also hard to answer, but I will say that if I'm kind of just feeling blah, or I, I don't really feel like eating anything else. Stouffer's mac and cheese. There you go. <laughs> See, there it is. That's the perfect, perfect answer perfect. to the question. Because, yeah. you know, like a foodie would say, oh, that's no. That's, that's not even that's, food. Uh, yeah, that's not. <laughs> right. okay, but it makes but I, my mouth happy. I think they changed their recipe a little bit because <gasps> the past two times I've had it in the past, I don't know, 
four to six months, um, it just hasn't been the same. It's not as mm. as cheesy. I like a very mm-hmm. cheesy, soupy mac and cheese. And mm-hmm. I think they changed their recipe. Mm. We'll write it That's their fault. <laughs> Love it. Well, Ashley, thank you for being on this episode. That is it for episode 152. Please make sure to give us a like or a follow on social media and visit us at lunchtimeinrome.com. And do remember while you're there, please do take that relational needs questionnaire. Uh, It's going to help you out. It's going to help the people around you out. Um, Thank you for joining us at the table for Lunchtime in Rome. Bye. See you next week. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for sharing, jerk. I'm going to change colors. And I was like, well, yeah, if you keep touching it. (laughs) Bing, bang, boom. Yeah. I want to open up a restaurant and say it's cooked with indifference. Now I want to get Taco Bell. Dang. (laughs) (laughs) Makes my mouth happy.